It's October 1985, and at a classic automobile auction in Dearborn, Michigan, Domino's founder Tom Monahan sits on the edge of his seat as the auctioneer raises the hammer. And sold at $37,000 to Pizza Man. Monahan smiles as everyone turns to look at him. He's now the proud owner of an 1886 fire engine. A few rows in front, the Arizona car dealer who lost out glares at the pizza mogul. Monahan turns to his aide. What's next? The Lincoln K. Ooh, I want that. The aide grimaces. His job today is to rein in Monahan's spending. But after a lifetime of scraping by, Monahan is now the sole owner of Domino's, a billion-dollar business, and he's enjoying living the high life. The fire engine and the Lincoln K are just the latest toys. He's already used Domino's money to buy a fleet of aircraft, an island, and the Detroit Tigers baseball team. He's also blowing more than $100 million on building Domino's swanky new headquarters. But before the aide can urge caution, the auction resumes. Next, this unique Lincoln Model K convertible, used by the King and Queen of England on their 1939 tour of Canada. Monahan locks eyes with the Arizona car dealer. They both want this one. The auctioneer senses the high roller rivalry. Looks like the lightweights better get to the back for this one. Opening at 150. 150, 150. Hey, bid it now, 150, 150. Would you bid at 150? Monahan nods. Bid at 150. Hey, bid it, bid it, 160, 160. Get him up, set him up at 160. The car dealer shouts out. 190. 190. Now bids at 200. Set him up and go. That's 200, 200. Think I would at 200. Now where's that 200? Monahan raises a hand. Bid at 200. No, we go into the mountain. 210 once again. Do I hear a 210? 210. Do I hear a 210 from my friends in the front there? 210, 210. Now you got the money. It's 210 and counting. You in at 210. Better, better, one a dollar. 210. The Arizona dealer counters. Sell me in at 210 and it's 220. Now 220,000. Give me 20, 220. The aide whispers into Monahan's ear. Tom, you've already spent $200,000 today. The auctioneer looks at Monahan. Monahan sees his aide is frowning. He looks back at the auctioneer and shakes his head. He's going to pass on. This. 220 or it's gone. 220 going once, going twice, and sold for $210,000. The car dealer leaps up. Yes, I stole that car. The aide looks at Monahan. I'm proud of you for letting it go, Tom. Monahan smiles. He's proud of himself, too. After all, he could have easily outbid that guy five times over. Monahan knows he's hot stuff, and it's all the sweeter given where he's come from. First, as a kid dumped by his mom in a Catholic orphanage where the nuns would wash his mouth out with soap for bad behavior. Then, as the struggling businessman fending off con men and armed debt collectors. Now, he's the rags-to-riches pizza billionaire living the American dream. But while he revels in his riches, he's forgotten the proverb the nuns at the orphanage used to hammer into him. The one about how pride comes before the fall. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. 
Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondering, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. On the last episode, Domino's got the jump on Pizza Hut by expanding rapidly and delivering their pizzas in 30 minutes. Pizza Hut knew delivery was crucial to its survival, but franchisees worried opening delivery stores would eat into their dine-in restaurant business. Now, Pizza Hut's CEO must win over the franchisees or risk delivering victory to Domino's. This is Episode 4, Deliverance. August 1986, Pizza Hut headquarters, Wichita, Kansas. Stephen Raynerman runs his hands through his lush black hair and scans the spacious conference room, trying to read the mood. He took charge of Pizza Hut three months ago, and this is his biggest test yet, convincing a room full of skeptical franchisees to deliver pizza. Last time Pizza Hut's top brass tried this, its franchisees stopped talking to the head office for weeks. <clears throat> Afternoon. Thanks again for making the trip to be here. I want to update you on how our delivery units are performing. Raynerman pulls up slide after slide, projections showing how Pizza Hut's 280 delivery stores will soon be profitable. Charts highlighting how delivery doesn't undermine the chain's red roof restaurants. It's clear that delivery is a positive and necessary addition to the Pizza Hut system. But all of us at the head office can't stop Domino's alone. We need you, our franchisees, opening delivery stores, too. Presentation over. Reinemann waits for the feedback. A franchisee from the Northwest speaks first. Uh, Stephen, it looks like the average profit margin falls when you add in delivery. Yes, it does. But total sales rise by more than enough to compensate. The typical Pizza Hut restaurant does half a million dollars in sales a year. A separate delivery store could make about 75% of that without having to run a whole restaurant. The franchisees ponder this for a moment. Hmm. Okay, I'm willing to test the water. I'll open a delivery unit in my territory. It's a good start, and a few others seem appeased. But this is a tough room, and not everyone's sold. What I see is a load of loss-making delivery units. Your experiment gambled with PepsiCo's money, but what I spend in my territory comes out of my pocket. So if you want deliveries in my area, you put up the money. Right. Mm, yeah. 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 Amen. There's some converts among the franchisees, but there are still too many opposed to delivery. And while Pizza Hut struggles to rally its troops, Domino's unleashes its latest salvo. 
It's September 1986, and Domino's latest TV ad campaign is underway. It's designed to win over people whose previous delivery experiences involved cold, deformed pizza with most of the toppings stuck to the box lid. And fronting them is Domino's new spokesman, a cross-eyed claymation character with floppy rabbit ears and a red rubber suit, the Noid. This is the Noid. He loves to ruin your pizza. Have you ever gotten cold pizza, a squash pizza, or pizza that just wasn't right? The Noid did it. But at Domino's Pizza, we avoid the Noid. So when you want hot, delicious quality pizzas delivered in less than 30 minutes, Domino's Pizza delivers. One call does it all. The Noid catches fire among pizza-loving kids. Sales leap as Noid fans badger parents to order Domino's. Soon, there are Noid t-shirts, figurines, and even a Nintendo video game. And as the Noid drives even more people into Domino's arms, sales at Pizza Hut restaurants flatline. Faced with more and more families opting for nights in with video rented from Blockbuster and a Domino's two-for-one special, Pizza Hut's franchisees finally embrace delivery. But only after corporate agrees that any franchisee who opens a delivery store will get a temporary reduction in the fees they pay to the head office. It's taken three long years, but now the entire Pizza Hut system has Domino's in its sights. To catch up, it sinks $50 million into opening standalone delivery stores and refurbishing hundreds of its restaurants so they can deliver too. Pizza Hut shovels millions of dollars into TV, radio, and newspaper ads that ensure the entire country soon knows that America's number one pizza chain now delivers. To better understand its enemy, the company even headhunts Domino's executives, luring them away with extra-large pay offers. In 18 months, Pizza Hut goes from fewer than 400 delivery stores to more than 1,700. Every day, another four Pizza Huts add delivery to the menu, and as they gobble up market share, Domino's growth slows to a crawl. It's 1988, and in a Midwestern Domino's, Tom Monahan frowns as he watches the 18-year-old employee preparing the store's latest order. As she dumps handfuls of cheese onto the pie, he steps in. No, no, no. The cheese must be spread evenly. Throw it away. Start again. The employee glances at her boss, the owner of the franchise store. She's not sure she should take orders from the stranger with the expensive suit. The owner gives her the nod. As the pie gets tipped in the trash, Monahan vents at the owner. Is that the quality of pizza you send out? The franchisee feels his hackles rise. He's already annoyed at Monahan. Thanks to Monahan's recent public stance against abortion, a lot of students on college campuses are boycotting Domino's. Now, Monahan's chewing him out in front of his team. You need to up your game. Pizza Hut's opening a delivery store on the next block. You're no longer competing. But with the franchisee is barely listening as he feels anger welling up. He's thinking, when was the last time Monahan rolled up his sleeves for a Friday night rush? From the look of the CEO's flashy watch and suit, it was a long time ago. Tom, if you're so worried about Pizza Hut, add pan pizza to the menu. I've got loyal customers switching to Pizza Hut because they offer pan. 
You won't even let me sell Diet Coke. That's because simplicity makes 30-minute delivery possible. Pizza Hut can't promise that. Their menu's too complicated. 30 minutes sets us apart. But Domino's promise of speed is fast becoming a liability. It's June 1989, and in Domino's headquarters in Michigan, press officer Ron Hinkst is on the defensive. He's on the phone to a reporter who's asking how many fatal crashes involved Domino's drivers last year. Hinkst twists the telephone cord as he responds. We're aware of 20 fatalities, but let's put it into context here. Nationally, we have 75 to 80,000 drivers, and accidents happen when you have a fleet that large. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, let's talk about Jesse Colson. Hinks flips through the Jesse Colson backgrounder legal gave him. He scans the key facts. 17-year-old Domino's driver, worked near Indianapolis, killed this month when his speeding truck skittered and slammed into a utility pole. I spoke to his mother. Hinks' stomach knots. She says he was speeding and that Domino's 30-minute guarantee is an invitation to break the law. Any comment? Hinkst looks at his notes. It says Colson crashed heading back to the store after a delivery. Still, Hinkst knows that regardless of the truth, big corporation versus dead boy's mom isn't a good look. For legal reasons, I I can't comment on individual cases, but our 30-minute promise rests on being fast in the kitchen. We get a pizza out the door in 12 minutes, leaving us ample delivery time. There's no reason, no expectation, and no incentive at all for Domino's drivers to speed. So why do they always run to my doorstep? Off the record, it's for show. It looks good to customers. Oh, okay. So when a Domino's pizza arrives late, who pays for the refund? The store, not the driver, if that's what you're getting at. Okay, I believe that's everything. Story should run tomorrow. Bye. But while Domino's press officers and attorneys fend off the rising criticism of the company's 30-minute pledge, Tom Monahan's thoughts are elsewhere. It's fall 1989 and after midnight in Michigan. In his darkened mansion, Monahan lies in bed and stares up at the ceiling. He's been trying to sleep for hours. He turns on his side. On his night table, he sees the book that's kept him awake. He picks it up and creeps out the room so he won't disturb his wife. He heads for his study, switches on the desk lamp, and stares at the cover. It reads, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Monaghan turns to the chapter titled, The Great Sin, the chapter that shattered his world. He reads aloud the passages that now haunt him. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Nearly all those evils in the world which people put down to greed or selfishness are really far more the result of pride. Pride is spiritual cancer. The first step is to realize that one is proud. Monaghan first read these words hours ago and they've lost none of their impact. He now sees who he really is. A proud, rich man. A man always wanting more. Not out of greed, but out of pride. He hates show-offs, but he's become the biggest show-off of all. The guy with the global pizza empire. 
The Major League Baseball team, the classic cars, the island, the airplanes, the mansion, the ponies, the security guards, and a closet full of cashmere socks. But there's something else that's awakening in him. He not only takes pleasure in these extravagances, but in joining the battle against the pro-choice lobby supporting abortion. In the midst of that high-profile fight with his business empire and faith under attack, he felt righteous, like a martyr. Monahan closes the book and smiles. He knows what he must do. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Late 1989, Domino's headquarters just outside Ann Arbor, Michigan. Tom Monahan looks at the shocked executives gathered around the conference room table. They're lost for words, so Monahan keeps talking. The thing is, I had to get rich to see that being rich isn't important. So that's why I'm resigning as CEO and selling Domino's. I'd say it's worth a billion dollars. I want to cash out and spend that on Catholic causes. Use my wealth to save souls. One executive ventures a response. It's a very sudden, a big move, a very big move. Maybe you should uh, just let the idea settle first. I appreciate the concern, but no, I need to do this. The executives can't dispute that. The executive Monahan tapped to be the new CEO pipes up. Well, we're all going to miss you, Tom. <laughs> I'm not gone yet. It's still my company for now. Big decisions will still be run past me. The new CEO maintains his smile, but he knows now he's just an interim leader. The guy manning the shop until the new owner arrives. But Monahan's hopes of a quick sale don't pan out. At first, there's a flurry of interest, but then the prospective buyers look under the hood and balk. Many of Monahan's pet projects were bought on the company's dime. So, as well as Domino's, buyers will get a fleet of classic cars, a stable of pizza ponies, and a bunch of other money-losing flights of fancy. 
even worse, Monahan's bought them all on credit, saddling the company with $400 million of debt. Soon, Domino's is drifting. It's got no buyer, a caretaker CEO, and an absentee owner, and Pizza Hut's moving in for the kill. In five years, Pizza Hut's share of the delivery market's gone from nothing to 20%. Domino's is still ahead with 45%, but its lead is shriveling fast. To narrow the gap, Pizza Hut launches a spate of attack ads. I love his feet, the continuous movement that he plays the position with. When the it's summer 1991 and in Independence, Missouri, 24-year-old Bob Briggs is kicking back to watch the game. He owns the local Domino's franchise, and he's enjoying a rare night off. But then the ad break starts. He jerks upright in his armchair when rows of falling dominoes appear on the screen. If you know anything about this game, you know that some things never change. But if you know about getting great pizza delivered, you know that nobody stands up to Pizza Hut delivery. The difference is the pizza. The difference is the pizza? Briggs seethes at Pizza Hut's dig at the quality of Domino's pies. He decides it's time to take action. August 1991, Independence, Missouri. Briggs hurries down the sidewalk dressed as the Noid in a red rubber suit, sweating buckets in the summer heat. The suit's not just hot, it's hard to see out of, too. He checks for traffic and makes for the divider in the middle of the street. The driver of a passing car shouts at him. Out of the way, Noid! Briggs scrambles onto the divider. He looks up at the Pizza Hut across the street and smiles as he raises his sign, the one letting everyone in Independence know that his Domino's store now accepts Pizza Hut's promotional coupons. But then he spots the clown standing outside the Pizza Hut holding up a sign promoting Pizza Hut's daily specials, and the clown looks angry. Briggs shrugs and does a dance for the children in a passing school bus. Then he spins round and finds the unhappy clown standing right in front of him. This is for taking our coupons. Briggs sees the clown's white glove fist and then... Black. When he comes to, there's a paramedic at his side. His broken sign is lying in the street and a cop's got the clown in handcuffs. As the street battles intensify... Domino's is feeling the pressure, and not just from Pizza Hut. Can't decide what goes on the pizza? With family choice at Little Caesars, adults get an eight-topping medium pizza, kids get two toppings. All for $8.99. Everyone's happy. Pizza, pizza. With his empire getting squeezed from Pizza Hut and Little Caesars, Monahan is forced back into the saddle. In December 1991, he reinstates himself as CEO and starts chipping away at Domino's mountain of debt. He cuts jobs and has a fire sale to offload the cars, island, and jets. He swallows his pride and sells the Detroit Tigers to Little Caesars founder Mike Illich. He also relents to pressure from his top team and adds Diet Coke and breadsticks to Domino's menu. But while he's fixing his empire... A new threat is rising for both Domino's and Pizza Hut. Its name? Papa John's. On the next episode, 
Papa John's disrupts the delivery wars, Pizza Hut reinvents crust, and a courtroom delivers a shock to Domino's. From Wondery, this is episode four of Pizza Hut versus Domino's for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. And a quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they're based on historical research. If you'd like to learn more about the Pizza Wars, check out Tom Monahan's book, Pizza Tiger. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondering. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say, good, because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.